I mean, like, literally, it's good to see you guys because, you know, when we were looking at Caddy in the Dark, which is kind of cool, but it's nice to be able to see your faces um, right now. I can't believe it's November. Are you guys with me? Like, it's kind of surprising, like, kind of in the groove. Granted, it doesn't feel like November at all. So some of you are happy about it, or you're like me, and you're really sad because you want to break out all the sweaters and the layers, and you like drizzly and cold. Mariah, you feel me. That's our happy space. Okay, so I have a question. Um, have any of you ever had a moment where you've overheard or read part of a conversation, but not all of it? It wasn't complete. And so you got a completely wrong idea about the conversation. I, it's happened to me plenty of times. Um, I had a situation that happened. So um, Darcy, she's in third grade now, and Harley's in first grade. And a couple years ago, Darcy was learning to read. And I learned that this is a dangerous thing um, because she reads anything and everything. And uh, my husband, Ben, he's a youth pastor at our church um, over at Green Tree. And so that means that he leaves before we even wake up on Sunday mornings. And we don't see him until like the end of service at church. And so getting ready in the mornings and going is sometimes kind of intense. Were any of you guys the picky kids that, like, you suddenly hated a certain pair of shoes on Sunday morning, and you, like, have a meltdown or over breakfast or something, or maybe had a sibling that was that? None of you guys were picky kids. I find that really hard to believe. You're picky adults. Um, but so my, my, my kids were trying to get ready, right? And they're completely having a meltdown because these shoes hurt. They can feel the seam on the back of their foot or, you know, the shirt is uncomfortable. It has an itchy tag. Forget the fact that I've already cut the tag out. So I texted my husband. I said, I don't know when we're going to be there, but we're going to be late and we're doing the best that we can. But there is much drama over the shoes this morning. And I leave my phone, the kids are somewhat ready, now I have to go get ready. And Darcy comes back bringing my phone and she's crying. And she hands me my phone and she says, Mommy, Daddy texted. And she said, I'm so sorry, you have to take care of us. So that sounds really awful. And I was like, oh no, baby, I, I, I don't mind taking care of you. You only saw part of the message. That's why it's so important not to read things that weren't for you. So I opened up the message and I showed her, I told daddy that we were having a hard morning and we were going slow and I was going to be late to Sunday school if I was there at all. And he said, I'm sorry, you have to take care of the girls alone and I'm not there to help you. And so it was like, that completely changes the entire text message. And so she's like, Okay, mommy. I was like, I am more than happy to take care of you, even when you're difficult, and even when you don't like any of the five pairs of shoes that you tried on this morning, and everything is wrong about the shorts and the shirt and the skirt and your hairdo and the breakfast. I still love you, and I still love taking care of you, but catching just a glimpse of the conversation can make it look completely different than what it is. And I think that's what could happen with our passage tonight if we don't take into consideration the rest of the book of Hebrews, and what the author has been talking about. We could get the wrong idea about what he's saying, and it could sound incredibly patronizing. It could also sound like he is really belittling things that are foundational to our faith. Because when you first just read these verses, it sounds not great, right? But when you take into context who he's writing to and why, then I think that makes a big difference. See, he was telling his audience, these Jewish believers, he says, don't disregard Jesus, and also don't abandon this faith that you have found. 
And when we think about that and when we put that into context, it completely changes the way that we read the message tonight. Now, one of the things that he was not saying, he is not condemning new believers. And he is also not expecting impossible or even unlikely spiritual growth. What he was doing and what we're going to find in this passage is that he is rebuking laziness in this community that they have with their spiritual growth. He is telling them, very similar to what Darth Vader says about, um, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Well, this author is telling them, I find your lack of maturity disturbing. And that's what he's talking about in this passage. It's almost as though these believers, they had found Jesus, they had believed what he'd done, and they're like, okay, thanks for the salvation, <laughs> see you later. And they're going over this way, and the author's saying that's problematic. And so he's pausing when he's talking about Jesus and priesthood and Melchizedek to have this little conversation on the side with them. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, you version, go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 11 and read down to chapter 6, verse 3. Also, you version, if you haven't heard, we often put our notes in the app. So if you go to the events page, you can actually find um, that CCF has um, an event there, and you can follow along with Catalyst as well. Huh? Oh, something went wrong with you, version. Disregard that. Just open the app. It'll be up later. Or it won't be up later. It's fine. Mariah, thank you for always working so hard to put that together. For us, because like technology is unpredictable, I don't speak tech, but she does a great job. So if you've ever appreciated or enjoyed those as a resource for following along with Catalyst, let Mariah know, um, because she's the one that puts it all together. Okay, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 6-3. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So what the author is telling him, he's saying it is very unnatural that you guys have quit growing. That is not how it is supposed to be. When something stops growing, it's because there's a problem. I have some plants at home that are having some problems, and they're not growing. Now, I should probably do something about it, like put them in a different location or water them more or at all. Um, fertilizer. fertilizer, repot it, or maybe bring it to Mariah so that she can help like revive it and bring it back to life. Or Michaela, you know, we've got several plant ladies um, over at the women's house, if I could bring them there. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong, my plant's not growing. But it's not growing because there's a problem. And I should take notice of the lack of growth and do something about it. Or physically, if, if a child is not growing, it's maybe a sign of a disorder or an illness or a problem, and it needs to be addressed, it needs to be looked into before it progresses and gets even worse, right? Or my plants need to be looked at and addressed before it progresses and they just die. And one of them is halfway there. Um, because it, it, it's saying, I need attention. The lack of growth is problematic. 
So this is where the Jewish believers, they had started really well, and they seemed healthy, and they were on a great trajectory for spiritual health and growth. But somewhere along the line, they stopped growing, and they became stunted. And next week, we're going to hear in Hebrews 6 about the danger in not growing, and that it can lead not only to regression, but even apostasy. And apostasy is a total desertion or departure from one's religion or faith. So he's saying the lack of growth is, is something you need to pay attention to and that I'm concerned about. There's um, a commentator I really enjoy named Warren Wearsby, and he stated, and I love the connection here because we've talked the past few weeks several times about the Israelites, and we've talked about Egypt and the wandering, and he says, they were safely delivered out of Egypt, but they never enjoyed the promised rest in Canaan. So they were enjoying salvation, but they weren't moving past that to continue growing spiritually. Uh, Wearsby tells a story um, about Christians living as betweeners between Egypt and Canaan, out of a place of danger, but not yet in a place of rest and rich inheritance. They are good, uh, they're living between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, saved by the blood, but not enjoying newness of resurrection life. And so they weren't letting um, this gospel bring growth. And the author here in Hebrews is telling them that's unnatural and that's not as it should be. So where are my scary movie people who like scary movies and scary shows? Or what about that movie that, like, isn't supposed to be scary, but it actually is really scary and freaky? Have you guys watched one of those? And you're like, okay, I was not prepared for that. Yeah, okay, so there's this movie that came out uh, in 2008. It's Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt, and it's called The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. You guys ever seen that one? Maybe you heard of it? Well, it really freaks me out, okay, because it's based on a 1922 short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he is also the writer of The Great Gatsby, okay? And in this story, this, this guy is born as an old man. It's like he's little, but he's like 70 years old, and he grows up to be a baby. And so it's like reverse, and it's super weird, and it just, it just is really creepy and weird and uncomfortable to me. Um, and so as he grows, he ages to become a child. Now, there's a brief period in his life where um, he is around the same age, both physically and mentally, as he's supposed to be before it overlaps. So there's a brief period of time that it looks as though everything is how it's supposed to be. And it looks and sounds as though he's how he's supposed to be. But then eventually it's like, well, hold on. No, like something's super not exactly right here. Um, because he's neither a child nor an elderly man. Like, what do we do with this? And it, it destroys relationships, and it creates, obviously, all kinds of complications in his life. Um, it would appear that he is able to live and act as a man, but he's actually a child. And I think, similarly, this author is saying, it would appear that you should be spiritually mature. However, with all of this time that has passed, you should be able to lead, but you're not. You should have deepened and grown in your faith, but you have not. And rather than grow and build on these fundamentals, you have left only the foundation and you've refused to build on to that. Rather than testing your teeth on solid food, you've continued to consume milk. And one commentator put it this way, and it really grossed me out. It makes me never want to drink milk ever again. He says, but you're only wanting to consume pre-consumed food from others. Ugh right? But, but you're wanting to take this milk that's the nutrients that somebody else has already digested and turned into something consumable because you're not willing to digest and consume yourself and to grow. Now, okay, my math nerds, where are you guys? Lots, okay, 
Are any of you the ones that debate different things in math? And you're like, in this camp or this camp? I know there's some of you because I've heard some. And I just kind of stand there. And then eventually, like when, when my eyes start to fall asleep, I just like turn and walk away. Because I don't understand it. I haven't taken math since my, my, wow, my sophomore year in high school. Because the college I went to, I didn't have to take math, thank God, because I hate it. I don't understand it. I'm not a numbers person, okay? And I use minimal math. Most of it, it's like, thank you, calculator app on my phone, okay? Um, so I'm a little nervous as my kids get older in school because my ability to help them is soon going to be passed um, by the things that they're learning in school. But I, I haven't made any efforts to continue to learn anything in math. And so when you guys start talking about these different things and the way that you can apply it and use it for different things or whatever, I'm just like, okay. I don't get excited about it because I don't understand it, so I don't really care about it. I mean, good for you. I'm glad somebody knows how to do math because you really need that to make sure, like, bridges and buildings are safe and, and stuff works and we don't have, like, things blowing up all over the place. Like, I'm glad you do that. I'm just going to continue to live my life over here. But I think spiritually that's the same thing that was happening with these believers. Except spiritually he's saying you should be growing. And they're like, nah, we've got the basics of, like, elementary math. Maybe a little bit of middle school and junior high, but we don't need more than that. And so he has to stop talking about what he wants to talk about, these deep spiritual things, because they're not mature enough to fully understand it. And so he has this aside. He wants to talk about these fascinating intricacies of the faith and the multiple layers of ways that God has woven his story of redemption and talking about the priesthood and how Jesus is this final priest. And he's like, but you guys quit growing, and so this isn't going to be powerful and make sense to you the way that it should. They're saying, I have the basics, and I don't need more. And he's saying, but you're going to miss out on so much that God has to share with you because you're not willing to continue growing and learning. So the first main point from our passage is in verses 11 through 14, and he tells them, you have become dull of hearing, and this has led to stunted growth. Reread with me 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And when he says dull, it doesn't just mean not sharp, it's meaning slothful. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See, they weren't this way initially, but they became this way. So what was contributing to this lack of spiritual development? Well, it was apathy and it was laziness. And the author of Hebrews, he's talked about drifting and he's talked about doubting. And now he's talking about their dullness or their apathy or their sloth when it comes to their faith. He is giving them a warning about the impact that that can have. So what is the solution? We say this is a problem, not to be dull or slothful, um, which leads to stunted growth. So what's the solution? And I would tell you guys to be in the word. Open the Bible. This is going to give you discernment by constant practice of distinguishing good from evil. And what is he talking about? He's not just talking about moral good and evil, but he's talking about spiritual good and evil. See, they weren't being thoughtful or discerning about what they spiritually consumed. If you spend any time around a baby, you know they put everything in their mouth. 
And like, as a parent of young kids, like, and still to this day, I have a little bit of PTSD from it. I walk into rooms and I, I just see all of the debris. And I see death everywhere. I say that every time I preach. I see death everywhere because I'm just like, oh, they're going to put that. They're going to lick that. They're going to chew on this. I'm like, um, And, you know, I mean, like, some germs, some health, whatever. But, like, they will put anything in their mouth. And there's some things you just should not consume, right? There are just some things you should not put in your mouth. But spiritually speaking, these believers were consuming everything put before them. And because they were not spending time learning the things that God had said and that he taught, they were not able to discern what was spiritually good from what was spiritually evil. It made them vulnerable to false teaching. The lack of engagement with the teachings of God kept them stunted. How can we expect to grow healthily if our nutrition never progresses beyond milk? How can you expect to grow spiritually when you only read or study what's easy to understand in Scripture? I've got the basics. I've got the elementary understanding. I don't need to go any further, right? Well, then how can you expect to grow in your faith? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Yes, the milk was good. The milk of the word is very good. But then he says to grow up in your salvation. Not that you only ever drink milk. If I see one of you sitting in the dining room of the campus house or the dorms or just laying on your couch with a baby bottle with formula, chugging it, I'm going to be a little concerned. I might make you a casserole, but also we're going to have to have a conversation because that's nasty. Have you guys smelled formula? That's gross. There are so many other things that you could eat and you could consume. But he says, yes, crave that spiritual milk, but then grow up in your salvation. Start there, but grow. So that was 1 Peter. Then in 2 Peter chapter 3.18, it says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We're supposed to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you cannot do that if you are not in the word. So the second point tonight is to go on to maturity and, <clears throat> excuse me, and build on your spiritual foundation. Read with me chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. So remember when I said it sounded kind of patronizing and like he's being dismissive of some really important things in the faith? Okay, well, keep that in mind because knowing the audience and the point of the message is very important here. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So the author, even though they're being immature, he's not treating them like children. He's being short and concise. He's addressing the problem. He's saying, listen, you guys aren't growing, and that's problematic because you should be ready to hear the things I'm going to say. If you guys have read further on in Hebrews, you know that it gets a little intense. And there is a lot of awesome stuff that it says and it teaches, but you kind of have to go pretty slow to grasp and probably multiple times a lot of what he's saying. And so what the author is saying, some of you aren't going to be prepared for the things that I have to say because you're still living on milk and you're not ready to chew on the steak and the meat that I have for you um, in these lessons. So what is the solution? He's saying to build on the foundation that's already been laid. He says, don't retreat back and stop at what was familiar and comfortable. So when he talks about repentance and faith, baptism and laying on of hands, resurrection and eternal judgment, he's saying those are things that you had in common with Judaism as well. 
He's saying that these are some things that were practiced in some form or another with Judaism. He's saying you are wanting to default back to what you knew before instead of pressing on. It's tempting to slip back into what's less controversial or what was the common ground of the people around you. As we've been in Hebrews, they've said before that they are facing pressure from people around them to cave and to compromise in their faith. And he's saying some of you aren't growing because you're retreating back to these things that you once were where you believed. Uh, one of my favorite commentators, Guzik, he says, there is always the temptation to still be religious, but not so fanatical about Jesus. I'm going to say that again. There is always a temptation to still be religious, but not so fanatical about Jesus. See, it's Jesus a lot of people have a problem with, or maybe when we talk about him as being a good guy to learn some good lessons from, sure, but when we start, start talking about him like dying for sins, people start, eh. We talk about him like rising from the dead, like, and like we talk about him ascending to heaven and coming back to judge the world, right? And it's like, ah, it's sometimes easier for us to not talk about those things and to focus on the things that maybe don't rock the culture boat quite as much. And he's saying that's problematic. And if you're going to do that, your faith is going to be stunted, or maybe you're going to even fall into apostasy, which we'll talk about next week. So he says, would you lay a foundation for a home and not even build a house? And when I was reading that, I started thinking um, about Branson. Um, how many of you guys have spent much time in Branson? So when I say Indian Ridge Resort, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You're shaking your head. Some of you do. We might have um, video or something that's going to play silently in the background so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, but Branson's really cool, right? And there's a lot of beautiful areas. But there's this place called Indian Ridge Resort. And in the mid, like early 2000s, um, there were these developers that were going to make this huge resort over like 900 acres with all of these mansions. Except in 2008, 2009, they went bankrupt when the housing market crashed. Now, a lot of those contractors are also in prison for like embezzlement and other fraud type things too. So that's problematic. But these houses still sit empty. If you drive by, it looks like a ghost town. Except it was never even actually a town. Nobody lived here. Or nobody was supposed to live here. Um, but you have these incredible houses. Some of them weren't even finished. Some of them from the outside look mostly done. And it just sits there. And we drove by years ago when we were in Branson for something. I was like, what is that? And uh, Ben and I heard some story about it. And apparently, like, it's kind of gone viral on TikTok and a couple other places recently. So feel free to, like, look it up. It's interesting. Don't go there, though. You might get arrested um, or trespassing charges because some people have had problems with that, too. Um, but it's fascinating to me because the idea was great and the foundation was laid, but it wasn't finished. And you know what happens when it's not finished and when it's not currently used? It disintegrates. It's falling apart. It's not improving or getting better or more structurally sound. There's all this graffiti and the broken glass and, and these places that had so much potential and this property that had so much potential that was started and then it just stopped and it stagnated and then it's starting to get worse. It was a ghost town without even being a town and I think that kind of applies to this passage. Sometimes spiritually we start, and then we're just good with where we're at, and we don't seek to go any further or deeper into other things. Sometimes we don't do spiritually seek out and explore more of what God says and why. Or if we find something in Scripture that we're not super comfortable with that we don't understand, it can be tempting to just gloss over and move on or to ignore it instead of really engaging with it and seeing what God has to say. Thanks, Wesley, for playing that for me. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 um, says he's talking about spiritual leaders and how they're supposed to help us grow and mature. Um, and then verses 14 and 15 say this, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. He's saying when you're infants, you're going to be easily influenced by anything and everything. You need to make sure that the head is Christ and that you are letting him grow you up in maturity. We need spiritual maturity in order to be able to distinguish truth. So what's the application for this? We've talked about a need for maturity. We've talked about how this group here was, was not maturing in their faith, and that made them very vulnerable to false teaching. And we've talked about the importance of being in the Word. And to the skeptic, to the person here tonight who maybe would not call themselves a Christian, who maybe would not call themselves a believer, if you are puzzled by the fact that some people that call themselves Christians, they don't actually live their life in a way that shows it, they may call themselves Christians, but they don't want to have Jesus tell them how to do different things, and that doesn't really make sense. It's like, well, if you say this, then why doesn't it have impact over here? You're right to think that that's not right, and that doesn't make sense, because it shouldn't. Just like one of my plants in my house that's not growing, that's not right, and that's not how it should be. So yes, you are noticing something that is not how it should be. But I also would encourage you to take a look at God's word and see for yourself the things that he is trying to tell to those who profess him, to see what it is that he's saying is so important. So to the skeptic, I think the application for this is just to open your Bible and see what this God that we talk about is saying. To the young Christian, I want to tell you, because that's why I think it's so important that we know this is the middle of a conversation, just like Darcy just read that one sentence in a text, because it can sound like he's coming down really harsh on people for being young and fresh in their faith, and that's not what he's saying. He's saying that you need to grow, so it is okay to be new in your faith, in the beginning of your spiritual journey, as you're learning to dive into God's word, but he is also saying to continue to open God's word and also to seek community that will build up your spiritual growth. So the older Christian, the person who's been a Christian for a while, I want to tell you to keep digging into God's word. No matter where you are right now with engaging with God's word, take it a step further. Just a little bit further, just a little bit more, right? We can always be pushing on. You're like, okay, well, I'm in God's word. Okay, but like, let's challenge yourself just a little bit more. Wherever you're at, challenge yourself a little bit more. And help others to do the same. Tackle some of the really difficult books. Maybe... Pick up a commentary. If you don't know where to start with that, come talk to us because your staff has some resources that we would love to share with you guys. Um, but you need to open God's word. And I think that that's true for each and every group of people. And I think that's what the author is saying. Like, you need to grow. And the way that you grow is by knowing God's word because that's what's going to help you understand the things that matter to him. And that's what's going to help you understand the complexities of the things that he wants to teach us. My prayer for all of you is that you will go on to mature in your faith and that you won't grow dull. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, um, God, I want to thank you for your word. And I want to thank you that you don't expect us to grow on our own, but that you are the one that nourishes and feeds us. Um, I thank you that, that you have inspired this word to teach us and to navigate us um, through life. 
Um, God, I ask that we would be faithful to open your word to see what it is that you have to say, and that when we have questions, that we wouldn't ignore it and move on, but that we wouldn't be people with houses with the foundation laid and then nothing built on it, nothing finished, nothing complete, um, but that we would work a little more every day um, so that you could continue finishing your work in our lives. It's the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.